Hey everybody, welcome to Fight Talk. This is Steven Jensen, and I'm here today with former UFC heavyweight champion, current UFC Hall of Famer, one of the greatest of all time, and a true pioneer of mixed martial arts. I'm here today with Mr. Boss Rutten. Boss, how are you doing today, sir? We're doing great. Sunny California, baby. It's nice. Sunny California. I love to hear it. I saw you, was it yesterday you were on the Joe Rogan podcast? Was that yesterday or two days ago? Uh, yesterday, yes, Monday. Yesterday, good deal. How are things going with your relationship with Dwayne Ludwig and TJ Dillashaw and those guys? Because I know you've been, you're linked with those guys for so long. It must be pretty cool to see TJ having all the success he's having under your former student, Dwayne Ludwig. Yeah, Dwayne and I now are putting our both systems together. We got to do, it's called Boston Inspired Bang Muay Thai. And we are now in the middle of putting everything together and teaming up and making just really one really great striking system yeah it's wonderful and and really quickly do you want to plug your your workout machine like i see the the commercials all the time i haven't bought it yet myself but i'm going to at some point would you like to tell my listeners kind of where to find that and what the name of it is because uh it looks way better than just like your average kind of home workout system or punching bag yeah it's really great i have actually in my my backyard as well it's called the body action system so bodyactionsystem.com it's B-A-S, Boss, Body Action System. It's, a, it's just a thing that I uh, developed because, you know, on, on, on the heavy bags, you can't do uppercuts. And on a lot of the other things, you can't do uppercuts. And I go, you, you're taking a big weapon away. Why not make something where people can throw uppercuts? So I had a body part with, with targets on it. So you have a, a target for the solar plexus, for the spleen, and for the liver. And then you have a normal hat, so you can do any pretty, any combination you can throw, you can throw on that machine, and that's the greatest thing about that machine. It also has no, no impact on your joints. So you can hit it as hard as you want, there's almost no impact. With a heavy back, you know, slowly but surely your arms, yeah, they, they, they start to get hurt. Like for instance, me, I developed tendonitis because of the heavy back, and that pretty much stopped my career because it's a very painful thing to have. If that would happen like four weeks out before a fight, I will be in intense pain two times a day, every day, till the fight was there. So that really stopped my career. That was tendonitis. This, you don't have that with the body action system. You can just hit it. You can bare knuckle hit it, and nothing will happen. Very cool. So everyone who's listening, go out and check that out. I'm going to be buying one myself very soon. I, I work on a heavy bag right now, and I can tell you firsthand, my joints do hurt. I can't throw uppercuts. And it looks like... Your, your system, it would be perfect for people like me. So I wanted to let everybody know about that before we got started. And then to kind of get into what I wanted, what I wanted to talk to you about a little bit today. And I was going to do a UFC 203 review. And when I had the opportunity to speak to you today, I was like, this could not have worked out any better. Because the guy everyone's talking about this week is CM Punk debuting in the UFC this past Saturday, September the 10th, UFC 203 in Cleveland, Ohio. You yourself, you're a former professional wrestler. You are obviously an MMA legend. Can you give me just kind of some of your thoughts and opinions? I follow your Twitter timeline, and it seems like you didn't really have much of an issue with him doing this. Is that safe to say? Yeah, no, listen, it's, um, I have a bunch of things on my bucket list, right? And, and, you know, if you can scrape one up, that's a great thing. And what he said two years ago when he was 35, he said, listen, I want to do it because... Before I get too old, I cannot do it anymore. I'm afraid that once I'm 60, 70 years old, I'm going to say, I'm going to regret not trying it. And why would I not try it? And, and for a guy like CM Punk, who, is, who was at the peak of his career, everybody knows this guy, to step into the UFC with no martial arts training whatsoever, 
uh, you know, only for two years, uh, for the last two years. I thought that's that's admirable. I, I, I think it's a really great thing. And all these guys who say, yeah, but it's stupid because it's... No, it, it was a really great thing for, the, uh, for MMA in general. And the reason is now people know, okay, yeah, it takes more than two years to just learn that, first of all. And, and, and that it is a, a tough sport, but it also teaches people, you know, if you want something, go for it. And not only that, it got, I guarantee you, it has a high pay-per-view uh, buy rate. So that means that people who normally did not watch the UFC probably tuned in to watch CM Punk fight. Now, hopefully, we hook these people to mix martial arts. So in the future, we have more people watching. So I, it's a win-win situation. I, I don't see the bad side here. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you 100%. You know, I, I had read that John Pollock had reported that because a lot of people are complaining about his, his pay, you know, the reported pay of the $500,000, and that doesn't include the pay-per-view points and the other incentives and, and cash and, and those kind of things that the UFC may have paid him as well. And people are getting very upset about this, but John Pollock had said if he even generated an extra 17,000 pay-per-view buys, it was worth the 500000 they paid him. And I can guarantee you he brought in more than 17,000 extra buys. Oh, I guarantee you for sure, yeah. So, and, and, and you know, he's worth it. It's like Conor McGregor. I mean, he makes a lot of money, but he's worth it. He puts more eyeballs uh, on the TV screen. So, yeah, you have to pay a guy like that. You know, and then Mickey Gold coming in, and then the people say, yeah, but he already made 30. Well, he made $30,000. I guarantee you, he never made a payday like that before. You know, this was his third fight. So, he's happy. He showed. He was great on the microphone afterwards as well. So, this guy, I, I see him fighting in the UFC from now on, so he got a great little contract on it as well. So, where, where's the bad thing? You know, I don't see the bad thing. I don't, I don't see any negative either. And, and I actually had the opportunity to interview Mickey Gall a couple weeks before the, the fight, and he's like the nicest guy in the world. He's like this guy who, yeah. he's just taking advantage of, of a great opportunity. So anybody who has a problem with any of this, I think, is just isn't looking at it from the right perspective. And, and especially, honestly, hearing that kind of insight from a guy like you, you you've been around since... When it, when this this is kind of how mixed martial arts got started to begin with. It was style versus style. It was guys from the world of professional wrestling coming over and fighting other people from various walks of mixed martial arts. I mean, to the point where, I mean, I can't remember anybody throwing palm strikes in fights before you. Now, I know it was because the fists in certain fights were, the closed fists, I believe, were illegal at one point. But to, to see, you know, the evolution of the sport, but th- this is... This is what mixed martial arts was all about when it started, in my opinion. It was the style versus style, kind of coming from these different worlds and seeing what you could do. And on top of that, now you've got this new star in Mickey Gall. I mean, it, people who have never heard of Mickey Gall now know Mickey Gall. And now he's calling out guys like Sage Northcutt. Do you think that that fight ever happens, Mickey Gall, Sage Northcutt? Do you have any thoughts on that? It would be great, you know, because they both are pretty much uh, came there for looking for a fight from the, from the show from that. And, you know, it would be great to put these uh, two guys uh, against each other. You know, I, I think it could be a great fight. Both, both very talented. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that, too, if it happens. So, so like I said, I, I think you're just kind of putting the, the stamp of approval on, on this for fans that I don't think quite get this whole thing with, with this Mickey Gall versus CM Punk fight. So to hear you say that is, is very yeah. refreshing. Yeah, it's, it's fans. It's, it's fans who don't know what goes on in the world, you know. All the other fights were legit fights. Everything was good. There's just one fight there that was, uh, which is going to get more eyeballs on, on, on the sport that we love so much. So I, I, I don't really... If every, every card, every fight on the card would be like that, I would say, yeah, this is stupid. But no, not this. 
You know, the guy with the determination like that and to take that risk because all the avalanche of, of bad comments he's getting right now, it's such a shame, you know. People are such, such an idiots. You know, it, it's almost like they're jealous because they, can't, they don't do it themselves. They don't want to step outside the box and to try something new. And CM Punk did it. You know, it's like when I moved to America. You know, when a lot of people at home said, oh, you'll be back. You'll be back. You're not going to make it there. And I said, yeah, that, but then I'll be back. What I don't want to be is 70 years old and sitting on the porch and say, God, I should have tried. I should have gone to America. I should have tried if I could do something there. You see what I mean? If you don't shoot, you always miss. That's a touch saying. I love that saying. And that's what the CM Punk is. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And and just to follow up, do you think that we see CM Punk fight in the UFC octagon again? Do you think that that was kind of an experiment? And now, if he wants to continue to fight, um, maybe he fights for, I heard Ariel Hawani mentioned a pretty good idea. Maybe he fights on maybe like a fight pass card for maybe another promotion so they don't, they don't have to let him go out of his UFC contract. He can still kind of stay under their umbrella. Uh, because obviously the the big the big thing that the UFC doesn't want is CM Punk continuing his his career as a mixed martial artist, but maybe signing with Bellator or something like that. Yeah, but well, what I, but, <clears throat> if the pay per view buys are going to be high, he's going to be back one hundred percent guaranteed on the big show as well. But I think that, and, and and he should be because he's a draw, and it's a very simple thing. But I I'm with you. Like uh, go to an an. an uh, Organizations like the RFA, with a feeder to the UFC, Legacy, all these shows that we have on Access TV, these are actually feeders to go to the UFC. So since they work together, yeah, the UFC might say, you know, why don't you fight at Legacy? Or why don't you fight at RFA one fight? And you pull that one up and we'll put you back on the card again at the UFC, sir. You know, there's a lot of possibilities. I don't think it's over for CFR. And it got taken out of his game right away. I mean, he still was super, super smart. He just walked to the center, took him down. Nobody, he didn't expect that, <laughs> and now he was on the ground, he was in side position, yeah. It was going to be very hard to beat a guy like that, because he's good. Mickey Gall has a great ground game, he's a brown belt in Chisister, so, yeah, it is what it is, I think we'll see him back. Alright, good deal. And switching gears a little bit, but staying on the UFC 203 topic, being a former heavyweight champion yourself, what were your thoughts on the Stipe Miocic versus Alistair Overeem fight? You know, I, I, I just love it. I just uh, love, love Miocic. You know, I would have it would have been great for Overeem to win. You know, become the, the second match guy after me to, to to win the heavyweight title, and especially a guy with so much talent. He had the K1 title, the Dream title. I mean, the Strike Force title. Nobody else did that on the planet, and then to wrap it up with an UFC uh, title would have been really great. But unfortunately, it didn't go his way. And, and it doesn't matter. I said it before. I don't want to make a prediction because, you know, Miocic is such a likable guy. He's such a good, normal guy who works. He's still a fireman. I mean, the guy play any, can play any sport. It's a, he's a freak of nature. He was absolutely not intimidated by Overeem. And later guy the position, man. Those last four or three punches, they were on the exact same spot. It was, uh, it was impressive. I liked it a lot. Yeah, and I thought that Stipe showed a lot of heart because we all know how hard Alistair Overeem hits. And for him to withstand that punch and then the guillotine attempt on the ground, like I thought it was over. I, I was standing up in my in my place just yelling at the screen, just new heavyweight champ. And Stipe just showed a ton of heart in that one and, and wound up getting the knockout. So I, I, th- I thought it was a great performance and, and a really great fight just in general. It was the right fight to make, in my opinion. Who do you think we see fight Stipe next? Do you, do you think it's Cain Velasquez? Yeah, it's probably going to be Cain, yeah. That's what I think. Uh, 
Not for Doom, not yet, I think. I don't know. I don't know. It will be Cambridge. This will be a great choice. It's always a great choice. I mean, this guy comes and brings it every time he fights. So uh, I would love to see that fight. Good deal. And, and uh, I want to speak a little bit about the uh, Fabricio Verdun versus Travis Brown fight as well. I mean, not so much about the fight itself. Fabricio got the win in that one. He's, he's beaten Travis Brown twice now. As a guy who, who mentors other fighters and coaches other fighters, do you have any opinion whatsoever on the post-fight antics with uh, Edmund Tarverdian kind of getting involved and Fabricio kind of pushing him away with a kick? Because we don't really see that very often in the UFC. No, it was, it was just a stupid thing. You know, I think in a, the corner never should do that. I, but, but, you know, that's me. It's a, it's a lot of people, they, they probably think they're uh, different. I don't like to use profanity in the corner. I don't like to shoot and, and, and you know, tell, tell it's a very easy fight. Just win the fight and we're all, at least we're not going to cry. I mean, he made some weird comments. I, I don't know. I, I, yeah. It's a shame that these things happen. It's, uh, it's not necessary. And if Verdun thought that he indeed was uh, getting attacked, well, good for him. He defended himself and he puts his uh, big, uh, big old phone kick in there. <laughs> right. It was, I mean, at the le- I mean, it was entertaining, but it, for all the wrong reasons, you know. And, and that being said, a little bit more on 203. Did, what did you think about the Jimmy Rivera Uriah Faber fight? Because that was a coming out party for Rivera, I thought. You know, I thought it was a great performance, beating one of the most durable guys in the history of the lighter weight divisions. Yeah, I know. I think that uh, Jimmy Rivera is, a, is an extremely hard hitter, man. I, I, I really like to see this. Uh, I, I like to see him fight all the time. He's a very powerful guy. I think he should uh, add a little bit more, more combinations, crazy combinations to his, to his repertoire. You know, the cross hook is there a lot. I would, you know, make it a cross hook, cross lever shot, or, you know, and, and add some things to it because a guy with that kind of power, you know, that's, that's, that's crazy power. He just has to connect and it could be over. It's just that, you know, Uriah is such a tough guy, can take such a shot and he always stays into the fight. So it was hard to put him away, but the, the victory over Uriah, that's a big deal. Yeah, I, I thought it was huge also. And, I know this is a little off topic, but are you? Would you like to ever see Uriah Faber fight T.J. Dillashaw? Because that's a fight that a lot of fans want, and it's something we never thought would happen when they both fought for Alpha Male. But since they've kind of split up, it's a fight that a lot of people want to see before you know Uriah hangs the hangs the gloves up. Is that something you want to see? Yeah, I. Uh, that would be a good fight, you know. If, if they both, you know, if there's still a little bit of a friendship, you know, I wouldn't. Maybe not, but if it's, you know, if they can put it to the side, listen, I fought France in Pankers. You know, it's, uh, once the bell goes, <laughs> trust me, you're not going to hold back because the whole world is watching and you do not want to lose. So uh, you're going to give it everything you got and not once you give the France again. So, yeah, I'm okay with that fight. I, I, I think already, you know, when you have a camp with a lot of guys at the same weight, well, eventually, if you become a champion, that is that will happen, you know, because otherwise... They're not going to have opponents, and, and nobody should be against it, because that's the name of the game. You're going to have to fight whoever the deal she puts you in front of. All right, good deal, good deal. And then changing gears a little bit, I wanted to get your thoughts while I had you on the next pay-per-view coming up, UFC 204. A couple of the fights on, on that card are incredibly interesting to me. Uh, the Vitor belfort gegard Musasi fight, can you give me your thoughts on that matchup? Because that's one I've been wanting to see for a long time. Yeah, that's going to be a badass fight, you know. Musashi, uh, sometimes he has these bad luck things, you know, like when he moved to the side and he got caught with that back kick to the head. You know, these, 
I, I don't know why that happens to him. He's such a technical, great fighter, also on the ground. His striking is phenomenal. You know, if he if he's just Gegard Musashi, he could win this fight. He's, his striking is really good. And don't don't get me wrong. I mean, Vito Belfort, one of the greatest strikers. I love to fight uh, to, to see this guy. And he trains with some other. And the Brazilians now also the Tyrone Spong and, and, and the Dutch. So Henry Hoff is teaching him. So they, they get that Dutch kickboxing, but... You know, yeah, just watching a fight like that, great striking Musashi, training with all the Dutch top strikers. Yeah, he could do really well. He could uh, he could win that fight. But never count people down for it out, of course. So, if I'm hearing you correctly, do you do you think that Gegard Musasi will win that fight? Is that your prediction, or do you not like to make predictions? Yeah, well, if he if he if he is just Gegard, if Gegard fights like he fights in training, yeah, I think he will win that fight. Okay, there you have it. And another fight on that card that I definitely want to get your opinion on, Michael Bisping versus Dan Henderson. I mean, we've been watching Dan Henderson forever, and Michael Bisping has been around the game a long time as well. He doesn't get the kind of credit I, I don't think he deserves because, you know, he really opened up the, the whole market over there in, in England especially. I mean, and, and he's been around a long time. He's finally got the championship belt, and he's fighting Dan Henderson in what's most likely going to be Henderson's last professional fight, it sounds like. What are your thoughts on this matchup? I love, I love, it. I love it, you know. I've been a big fan of Bisping. My, uh, it, 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 well, actually, my last fight was in 2006, and that was the season that Bisping was on the Ultimate Fighter. And I know that because two days before the fight, I had, all my training was done. And they were showing The Ultimate Fighter, but they showed all day long, every single episode, and then at night, is where the final came. So, I started watching all day long, I watched every single episode, and I just really started to like Michael Bisping, I think he's a great guy, and I started rooting for him. So, now, with him being here, being 10 years in the UFC, never ducking anybody, always fighting everybody, last minute notice, he took fight, I mean, he's just a guy, and you see him constantly getting better and coming off two of the biggest wins of his career right now, I think it's going to be much harder for Dan Anderson. But we're talking about Dan Anderson. I'm a big fan of his now. I commentated on a lot of fights at, uh, at, at fight where he knocked out a lot of people, you know. I mean, half of his fight has my knockout, and most of the time it's just one punch with him, which is the right hand, the right overhand. And uh, he's just a guy who's always dangerous because he has that one big weapon. But uh, it's going to be harder for him right now. It won't be a story ending for him. And on the other side, it will be a storybook ending for Bisping as well. So, again, a prediction I don't want to make because I know both these guys very well and I like them both. I leave it at that. I leave it up uh, to whoever is going to have the best, the best night, I guess. And he's going to win. Sure, and that's, that's very fair to say. And speaking of pride, you know, I was a very big fan of, of that organization as well. And... One of my favorite fights was Dan Henderson versus Vandoy Silva. The second fight that they had where Henderson unified the, the two titles and before he came over to the UFC again. And that was always great to watch. And, and speaking of Pride, do you miss companies like Pride? Or, or are you a fan of the new new Ryzen organization under the same kind of management? No, not a big fan. But that, that's because uh, so, so some guy works with that guy also that I really don't like. So I'm not a big fan of that. But um, I, I did... I think Pride was one of the best things mixed martial arts ever had in the world. I, the, the fights were so crazy. I mean, the stomping on the head and, and to be there and to commentate. You know, if you have a small show, it would be 45,000 people. That would be considered a small show. It's like the most ridiculous thing ever, you know. It was, it was what a good time. 
Like all the fighters that breakfast in America, sorry, in Japan, like in the morning, everybody would be up, everybody would be breakfast, like 6 a.m. We would have a table with like 20 guys on it. It was only, it was Comedy Central, you know, it was constantly cracking jokes and having fun and doing little skits. It was a really great time. I really loved it personally because it was very, uh, I say this all the time and, and I get, I get, crap for it sometimes because this isn't everybody's cup of tea but as close as they can get to like a professional wrestling product while still keeping the fights legitimate like that's pretty much what i want to see now i understand you know there are a lot of guys who just you don't want to go that route and they want to stay humble and they don't want to trash talk and, and I, I fully understand that but what i love so much about pride was these larger than life characters like like mirko Krokop in his prime and vanderlei silva and rampage jackson and just name after name fedor and and watching these guys and then they would they would fight and i, I like the rule set a lot do, do you have any any preference on like the pride rules versus the current ufc rules that we see well i i always thought um i'm i'm a big bystander now lately we've seen more and more people getting stopped by elbows but still most of the time an elbow will cut you and i always thought i'd rather have them take elbows out and put knees on the ground in you know from side mount from every position you can also knee the face i thought that would be a, a great rule the stomping no I, I i don't think that's a great thing to have because Sometimes it goes wrong. Like if the referee steps in too late, a really good stomp can can do a lot of damage. So I'm not, you know, I'm there for the safety of the fighters. Yes, it is closer to real fighting, and I understand that. But uh, let's keep it a sport, guys. Let's keep it a sport, and let's uh, keep that out. Okay, there you have it. And I just got a couple more questions for you. Just some general questions. The first one being. Did you have any preference on where you like to fight the best, whether it be the U.S., Japan, you know, back in Holland? Is, is there anywhere in particular you really enjoyed fighting the most? Well, in, um, in Holland, not so much anymore. That was actually my whole thing. I never wanted to fight in Holland again because I lost the fight in Holland. And then the, the barrage of insults that I got was, uh, was just insane. And I go, wow, now if it goes like this, I mean, if they just forgot about my other 12 knockouts, you know, and, 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 and I lose a fight and suddenly I'm a nobody. And I, I, I didn't really like that. So I said, oh, I'm not going to fight anymore. That's why I kind of quit. And then my wife, actually, when I met my wife, like three months into our relationship, she had this blank stare in her head, in her eyes. And I go, what's going on? And she goes, I don't know. She, she said, but uh, you're going to be a famous fighter in Japan. And I go, what do you mean? I'm not going to fight anymore. She says, yeah, but you said Holland. You're going to go to Japan. And this was way before everything. And I go, that was a weird comment. I go, whatever, you know. And then six months later, I get a phone call from Chris Dolman in Amsterdam. And he says, jump in the car right now. These two guys from Japan are here, uh, Funaki and Suzuki. And they're looking for fighters. So if you come over, we can do an audition. And then hopefully they're going to grab you. So I went to Amsterdam. I uh, got into a big role with one of the fighters from Wings there. So I knocked them out with a high kick, and, uh, and that was it. They, they, they were pointing at me, and I was a bankers, you know? And then many years later, this is funny, too. She had again a stare, and I go, okay, now what? And she says, we're going to move to America, and you're going to be in the TV business. And, uh, and I moved to America, and now we're doing our 10th year. We're in our 10th year of Inside MMA. It's the craziest thing. That is wild. And, and speaking of, of, you know, the other things that you do outside of fighting and, and your colleagues, I think that uh, Moro Ronaldo is, is the best 
commentator in the world. I, I love that guy. And I, I it's so great hearing his voice now in the WWE and for so many years in other organizations. I know he's still involved. Are you involved with Morrow outside of, of, of MMA at all? I know that you guys have the podcast and everything, but are you guys involved in anything else together currently? No, we just we just hang out. We go to movies. We you know, and the Frank Shamrock is also one of the group, and uh, he goes with us once in a while as well. You know, watch UFC fights with us. And of course, the podcast. The podcast for us is really it's just a way to unload. You know, because we always been talking about doing a radio show together. Even in Japan, we were talking about this, and um, and now we you know he is in Simi Valley, which is literally fifteen minutes away from my home. So he moved to California, and then. You know, we were both, we went to a movie or something, and he said, hey, we were always talking about this radio show, why don't we start our podcast together now? And uh, that was it, we started the podcast. So, yeah, no, he's, uh, he's a great friend of mine, and like you said, he's, he has to be the best guy out there right now, There's nobody can do what this guy does. You know, Kenny Rice is also really good, uh, an incredible uh, commentator, because Kenny Rice is also all the other sports. He does 26 different sports, at the highest level. Mauro does all the, all the boxing, kickboxing, mixed martial arts, and WWE. You know, so they're both these really talented guys and, and, and just working with Mauro. And, and you will hear that from everybody, you know. Everybody is, is such a well-oiled machine. He doesn't make mistakes. It's always, it's a, it's a blessing, man, to work with people like that. That's wonderful to hear. And, and a name that you mentioned, Frank Shamrock, you fought him twice, correct? Yeah, three times. Even. Three times. Oh, that's right. You you beat yeah. him twice. You you lost the first one. It was the decision. I and then you beat him twice after that. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Were you friends with him back back then as well? Like when you mentioned fighting your friends. Yeah. 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 No, that, that was a little harder for us, but uh, you know we would always hang out together. You know, Guy Metzger and, uh, and Frank Shamrock were always the guys I would hang out the most with. Uh, in, in, in Japan. So, yeah, Frank was always a good friend. We were, we, we had a whole bunch of crazy stuff. If ever a book comes out, <laughs> people are going to freak out. You know, but I, I'm waiting with that book autobiography because my youngest daughter, she's 15 years old. I want her to be older, like 19 or so, 20, because otherwise she's going to, you know, if I'm going to forbid her something, she's going to say, but you did it. I read it in the book. You know, so that, uh, so let's, let's wait a few more years and then maybe I come out with all of that. Hey, I'll be the first to purchase that. I would love for you to do that. And a couple questions I ask everybody right towards the end of the show. Do you have a favorite fight that you've been in or a favorite fight that you've watched that you want to tell people about? No, I just, uh, you know, uh, Brown versus Eric Silva. That's a fight that always pops up. I thought that was an incredible fight going back the whole time, Matt Brown and him. And uh, I like that, and of course. They always talk in pride, and in pride, just to come up, the, the emotion that was involved with the whole fight was Fedor and Kokov. I really liked it, the, the, the hype to that fight, the, the videos that they were playing. You know, Mirko Kokov came up, he just watched uh, himself on a video together with his mother visiting the grave from his father who passed away. And you know, to see a guy like Mirko Kokov coming up with tears in his eyes while he's walking to the ring, that was a powerful thing, you know, you, because he's such a badass. And then you see an emotional miracle. And then, you know, the training video they were showing, it was, I can just watch it out. It was, uh, it was like Rocky versus uh, Stallone versus, uh, versus Drago, because you saw Francis Coco was training in these high-tech gyms, 
clean gyms, clean bags, and he was destroying those bags with high kicks. And then you went, they went to a, 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 a fit of a million ago, and you saw him training in the snow with a log in his neck or like with rusty kettlebells. You know, the contrast was so different between the both of them, but it was so cool to see and to watch it and the personal things that they added, you know, like the visiting the grave with the father and they were talking about the war. I know what they were talking about the war because we saw a river like with ice in it floating and bodies were floating in the river. It was like war footage. It was, it was the craziest work up to a fight ever. And um, yeah, it always stayed with me. I, re- I really enjoyed watching that. That's one of my favorite fights of all time as well. And that was a true number one versus number two at the time. Like, that was really to say who is the best heavyweight in the world right now. And that, that was a great, great fight. And Krokop was – him in his prime was one of my favorite guys to ever watch. I mean, just such, so entertaining and Fedor as well. And do you, do you have any – you may not be able to say because I know you're still involved. Uh, but are, is there any, any fighters nowadays that you, that you watch that you really think – are some of your favorites or, or anybody that you've seen kind of coming up through the ranks that we should keep our eyes on? Yeah, you know, it's uh, Joe Jones. I've always been a big fan of his fighting, you know. He's an incredible athlete. Hopefully we're going to have him soon back. Um, but just the way he finishes people, you know, it's accurate, it, 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 whether it's a submission or a knockout, I really always enjoy watching fighters who knock people out and submit them also. So they'll work both ways of the fans, so to say. And, um, but everybody, you know, there's so many fighters I like. I mean, the Bisping, Whiteman, the Rockhold. I mean, I can go on and on, but these, I, I think one of the most talented guys is John Jones, Demetrius Johnson. I would say Demetrius is maybe the, the bottom guy, or John, they're very close. But Demetrius to do, to finish people with, in his weight class, that's, you know, people don't realize how hard that is. Uh, uh, until they start fighting themselves. You don't see that a lot, getting people knocked out at the 125-pound weight class. And Demetrius Johnson is doing that. And if he doesn't pull off a knockout, he pulls off a submission. And any submission, whatever they throw at him, whatever they give him, he won't take it, you know. He, he, he's, in the, yeah, he's a very technical individual. Good deal, good deal. And I got one last question for you. And I, I would kick myself for not asking, and, and I, I say this kind of tongue-in-cheek, but we opened the show up talking about CM Punk. Another guy that I've heard you talk about in the past, and I just want to get your opinion since I've got you here. How do you think uh, the Honorable Sensei Steven Seagal would do in an octagon? Yeah, right, well, <laughs> yeah, okay, respond to that, right? <laughs> yeah, I had to ask um, you. Yeah, it's more than martial arts. Listen, he's a, he's a, he's a phenomenal martial artist. His, his uh, Aikido... Is top notch. I mean, we were the, 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 I think it is so famous, like you know, because of Steven Seagal. It's very technical with that, but you cannot, people cannot say that you're a good fighter if you do that. It's like being a karate fighter, which I used to be, or a taekwondo fighter, and saying I'm the best fighter. It's not. You're not. not in striking, yeah, you can come close and you can do things, but just in fighting, you need to compete. Because things like that in Aikido, when I attack you and you, you use the, the momentum of me, well, you're not going to have that against the boxer. We won't give you big overheads. Here it comes. Take my arm and throw it away. It's not working. That is, it works really well for street fighting as well. People are saying, you know, it's a really great art. And of course, there's always things in that art that's really easy to translate to mixed martial arts. But if you solely train Aikido, 
you will not be a great fighter in mixed martial arts. That is 100%. And everybody who says now that I'm wrong, prove me otherwise. Bring up an Aikido fighter, solely Aikido, and let him face a good kickboxer as well, a, a good mixed martial artist, and then see who wins. You know, and all these guys who say, yeah, but like my sport is too violent, I can kill people, or whatever they come up with. Well, if you can just kill people, then you should also be able not to kill people, right? I mean, killing people is pretty difficult. You know, you're going to have a lot of, you're going to need a lot of skill for that, so do it without it. And if you say, oh yeah, but it's Aikido, I love the form of Aikido, I don't want to expose mixed martial arts. Also, it's BS, you know, because the biggest promotion for you ever will become, if you become a, a, a UFC champion, well, look what it did to, uh, to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Right? It put Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu on the map. It became one of the biggest sports on the planet. And it was all because Horace Gracie decided to jump in, a, in an octagon, in a key, and beating all these big guys up. And that's why it became famous. So it did a lot of good for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It can do the same thing for any other sport out there. So if you say, oh, Aikido is the best sport, I say start competing, win a title, because then your sport that you love so much will be very known. Everybody's going to know it. But guess what? It's not going to happen, I'm telling you. And you'll see, of course, you see a little other things. For instance, Lyoto Machida. They go like, yeah, but Lyoto Machida is a karate guy. He's not a karate guy. He's a great wrestler on top of it. He did sumo wrestling as well, so his base is very hard to take down. He did tight boxing, and he's like a brown belt or maybe even a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So that's not solely karate. I'm talking about one sport. It's like a boxer. Bring a boxer into MMA. Well, we know what happens. You know, he has a puncher's chance, but he misses that punch, and he's going to be taken to the ground. He will lose that fight. That's it. So I always say jump in the octagon. Let the people see how good your art is. And then if you win, your art will be known around the world. Phenomenal stuff. Phenomenal stuff. Boss, I'm going to wrap this up. Is there anything that you'd like to plug? Maybe like your Twitter or anything you got going on, your TV show, your podcast? Uh, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, all, all that above. You know, Ruten and Ranello, spelled out. Ruten, A-N-D, Ranello.com. That's where you can find all the platforms to download our podcast, which comes out every Friday, Friday morning. It's a real high-energy podcast. People are going to love it. It's just listening to it. Once you listen to it, you're going to go, oh, I'm going to like it. Because we call it the podcast of positivity. We we don't like to touch on bad things that happen. We might want it because a lot of people do that enough already. We like to keep it light and keep it happy and keep it fun to listen to. And then, of course, inside of May, 9.30 p.m., uh, 12.30 uh, Eastern, every Friday night. Boss Ruth and MMA is my Twitter and my uh, Instagram handle. Uh, O2 Trainer, guys, this is a, a thing that I've been working on for a while. I was just on the Joe Rogan podcast, as you mentioned, and we talked about the O2 Trainer. It's just a really great device, and the, the medical journals that I have now to back up what the O2 Trainer does is just insane. It will increase stamina a lot. It's uh, really the only product of its kind because it's, uh, all the other products by competition out there, it works different. Mine only controls the air intake. And training your inspiratory muscles is the most important thing uh, with breathing, not training in and out. Only training inhaling with resistance is the best way to do it. And uh, it does wonders. It cured me from my asthma. It cured all my friends from my asthma. A whole bunch of reviews on my internet. People say it cured them from their asthma. And then I read the reviews what it does to athletes, you know. And it's, uh, it's, it's a really great product. It's cheap. It's 50 bucks. 
And uh, if you do it just 30 repetitions in the morning, which takes about three or four minutes, you're good to go, and you're going to be a better fighter. And there you have it. Boss, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a real honor. Thanks once again. I can't, I can't thank you enough. You're very welcome. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it as well. So uh, it was great. Thank you. You're welcome. And you have a great day, sir. All right. You too. Godspeed. Godspeed. And there you have it. That has been Boss Rutten, MMA legend, former UFC heavyweight champion, and UFC Hall of Famer. And that's going to be this episode of Fight Talk. I've been Steven Jensen. Please subscribe to my podcast on iTunes and Podomatic. Podomatic is there if you do not have iTunes or you don't own an iPhone. You can use that on Android devices and other devices as well. Please follow me on Twitter at N-O-W underscore W-O-R-L-D underscore O-R-D-E-R. That's at now underscore world underscore order on Twitter. And like I said, please subscribe to the podcast. Please rate and comment as well. It goes a long way. It helps the podcast out a lot. Thank you very, very much for listening, and I will be back soon.